0: from Kurt Co Media. You think how much the world has to offer. We're barely scratching the surface of all of these wonderful cultures and places to see and visit and, and, and I don't even know what they are. I feel like I feel like a kid again. I'm ready to get the globe out and spin the globe and look for those new places to go
1: and find. That's Luxury Hotel Leader Chris Gabaldon. I'm Bruce Wallen and this is Travel That Matters. and welcome to Travel That Matters. This is the podcast where we explore the world's most exceptional and meaningful travel experiences and we meet some of the fascinating people who make them possible. Today's guest is definitely one of those people. He heads up all of the luxury brands for Marriott International. We're talking about Ritz-Carlton, St. Regis, W Hotels, the Luxury Collection, and many, many others. His name is Chris Gabaldon, and his official title is Senior VP of Luxury Brands for Marriott. From that position, Chris has a really interesting view of what's going on in the world of travel. We're going to talk to him today about everything from new global hotspots to his love for U.S. road trips, and of course, all the great new hotels around the world that we have to look forward to as travelers but we're also gonna chat about what's arguably the most exciting launch of 2022, and that is the Ritz-Carlton Yacht Collection. Now, this is Ritz-Carlton's first foray into cruising, and it comes at an incredibly challenging time for the cruising industry. So we're gonna to talk to Chris about how the industry is adapting, how his company's plans have had to change, and how Ritz-Carlton will be doing things differently when their first ship sets sail next year. While we're on that subject, though, I want to know, how do you feel about cruising? Do you love it? Hate it? There are definitely two camps on this topic, and I want to talk about that. So stick around after my conversation with Chris so we can chat more about the most divisive category in travel. But for now, let's hear what's new in the world of luxury travel with Chris Gabaldon. Chris! Welcome to travel that matters. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be here. Thanks for having to, uh, having me on today. All right. First things first. You must be like me. Look, you wouldn't be doing what you do if you weren't. But you must be someone who truly loves hotels. What is it that you, that so many of us love about that hotel experience, especially in like a you know a grand city hotel and that that type of setting? I, you know, you know. Somebody asked me that. A friend of mine asked me that
0: a while back, and I remember loving hotels literally the hotels i love travel for a a million reasons we can talk about but i remember loving hotels since i was a little kid right just the design or the architecture or you know the activity or the people There's just so much going on in these places, right? And it's it's this convergence of people coming together. And I just think the design and the the grand nature of some of them, the intimate nature of some of them, and you're right, the city hotels to me can be so special, right? Some of these hotels go back hundreds of years. I think about the St. Regis in New York, that hotel has been around for over a hundred years, right? We're in the middle of a global pandemic, but hotels like that have seen other global pandemics. They've seen multiple wars. They've been through other tragedies, and they have stood the test of time. To me, that's a fascinating thought that people have
1: embraced and loved travel forever, and some of those monuments are still there. That is definitely comforting, especially these days. And well, you know, I'm always always comfortable in the St. Regis, New York, of course. But a big part of why we travel is to discover new things, right? So, like, go to new places. Like, what do you love about that part? What motivates you as a traveler? I love the idea of exploring
0: and finding something new. And quite frankly, it doesn't even have to always be glamorous. It just needs to be something new, different, special, something that I haven't seen before, right? You know, give an example in the last couple of years, a lot of it's just getting in the car and driving and discovering little towns along the coast, driving up into New England, right? Finding little tiny villages and, you know, having a a beer in a pub or taking a walk on the seaside and discovering towns that you just kind of didn't get to before, you know, I was in Kennebunk, Maine, and it was a beautiful little town. And, you know, we traveled up and down the coast. And so I think that was sort of just more recent adventures. You know, previously, I I think it's the idea of trying to get into the islands or getting over into Europe. I'm excited about what's going on in Europe. I know everybody wants to return to Italy, but I'm looking forward to getting back on the road and finding some of those, those new cities, right? Getting into Belgrade and getting, we're opening, we just opened a hotel in Budapest. And so I'm excited about getting back into some of those
1: places. You know, I think you brought up the point about driving and and discovering new places on the road. And I think, look, we all want to get back to that point where we're getting to different countries and everything. But I I just had an experience like that where, you know, I'm in Puerto Vallarta right now, as you know, we drove down here instead of flying. And it was such a different experience. I got to say, like, we, we could have easily flown down and gotten settled here and had a wonderful experience. But the fact that we kind of experienced everything from point A to point B changed everything. I mean, it, it really, like we saw parts of Mexico that we would have never seen. We saw parts of the U S that we would have never seen Patagonia, Arizona. I'd never even heard of it. Beautiful place. <laughs> it turns out it's a beautiful place. So I, I just, I, I love that idea. I don't want to do it all the time, but I love that idea of driving to a destination and discovering everything along the way. You
0: know, I drove my son home from California he was working out West in the fall of last year. And, and instead of flying him out and flying him back, we, we drove him, right? Partly because of the pandemic, but partly just for the pure love of getting in the car and seeing what happens in a little town or stopping at a roadside diner and having a burger and, and just experiencing life in a different way.
1: So, okay, but let's face it roadside diners and, and, and burgers are not your forte. You run a massive luxury portfolio here. Talk to me a bit about luxury travel. How do you define luxury travel? First
0: of all, look, it's something that has proven there's an insatiable demand for it. What do people really want to spend their money on today? They want to spend it on gaining experiences, building memories, building adventures, discovering the world. And that has been accelerated through the pandemic. To me, luxury travel is really all about the ability to deliver something that's personal, something that's intimate, something that creates time, creates memories. It's that ability to reach someone close in their heart and develop and and build those emotions that you get. You know that emotion. You've been there. You've had it. When you walk into a new destination, when you interact with local people, it elicits a feeling inside of you that you don't replicate from just sort of a standard functional trip. And I think that the demand for that is only growing. And it's growing not only from your traditional sources, right? It's not about just those that are traveling from Europe or traveling from the United States, but the wealth that's being created, whether it's in Latin America or in Africa, certainly in the Middle East, throughout Asia, is creating this tremendous demand for luxury travel globally.
1: So, you know, obviously your position, you, you kind of have a bird's eye view of, of what's going on in luxury hotel world specifically. What are you seeing in terms of, I mean, the different markets for the travelers themselves, but what about the, the destinations? Are there new destinations, emerging markets, things like that, places that are, you know, having some kind of a renaissance? What are you seeing?
0: So, well, look, everybody's dying to get back to the, the places that were hot before, right? So the big cities, the gateways that we were talking about, everyone discovered local. Right, So local, I don't think, is a short-term trend. So I think you're going to see continued travel into these second-tier cities. These types of markets where there's usually some sort of local culture, history, a scene of some sort, people are really discovering those. And I think that's here for a long time. The same thing is true of the mountains, the beaches, et cetera. Beyond that, I think that the bucket list travel is now going to start coming back. Now, obviously, we're delayed a little bit because COVID is more impactful than I think we had hoped a year ago. But when people get back on the road, I think they're going to accelerate their demand. And so, obviously, going back to Europe, but you hear a lot about Africa, you hear an awful lot about Cairo, you hear an awful lot about the southern part of South America, right? Getting back down into Patagonia. Those areas, again, you go to local concepts first, and then I think people are going to go big because they're going to get those things back into their bucket list that they had been waiting for and they've been trying to plan
1: that perfect time for. I actually had Lindsay Uber you know, from Preferred Hotels and Resorts on on the show a few weeks back. And she said something that I loved, and it's basically that the concept of the bucket list is dead. It's like, now is the time. People have realized, like, what am I waiting for? You know, that trip to Africa, that trip to Antarctica, whatever it is, these big, big ticket trips, people are pulling the trigger now, or, you know, at least making plans for a couple of years out or a year out. Are you seeing that, like, from from your position?
0: Yeah, people are ready to spend money. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if the bucket list is alive or dead, but I do think that the idea that they're ready to pull the trigger and make the move. You know, when you have something like this pandemic, it changes the way people think about what's important to them. And whether that's family, adventure, their legacy, their purpose, why they travel, what they're trying to teach their kids, what they're trying to share with their family members. I do think people are ready to gain those experiences and put them into their quiver. Travel has become much more meaningful we went through a transition probably 10 or 15 years ago where travel was about the collection of experiences but to some degree that was still just on a personal basis right it was the it was the transformation from collecting material items to collecting experiences and i think that's still part of the narrative but i think the narrative has almost improved in some ways right people are genuinely interested in whether it's the environment or cultures or bringing people together. And, and as you know, travel is something that changes people's lives. I haven't been to Africa yet, and I am it's, it's on my so-called bucket list, alive or dead on the bucket list. But you hear about those life-changing transformations that happen in certain destinations.
1: Let me ask you about, like, what are you guys doing along that? Like, how, how is Ritz-Carlton or St. Regis or W, whatever it is? adapting to that new mindset. So, you know, people are, if they're not collecting experiences, they're more about, is it more about broadening their horizons? And and how do you guys facilitate that? I think what it really comes down to, Bruce, is
0: the ability to make local connections, right? So you take any of the luxury brands and hotels, and they all have very specific ways that they manifest themselves and are important to various types of travelers. We're fortunate. We have great brands that appeal to a broad base of consumers with various needs for traveling, but that, you know, we challenge all of them to make sure that they're making a local connection. And that local connection is either in the design, the restaurants, the bar, the culinary, you know, the connections to the local scene, whether it's arts or music or entertainment, or even just local connections to the community, right? So there's opportunities to participate in the community and support depending on where you're at. If you can make travel local, it becomes more meaningful. And so we challenge all of the brands to make sure in their way that, you know,
1: they are making that local connection. The luxury brands Chris oversees, Ritz Carlton, St. Regis, W and others have more than 130 new hotels and resorts opening up around the world in the next few years. Everything from urban hotels in Mexico City and Rome to a beach resort in Morocco and a golf resort in Arizona. So I asked Chris to share a few of the properties that he's personally most excited about and what we have to look forward to as travelers.
0: I will tell you there's a couple that I'm I'm excited about. Uh, I'm excited about the W in Rome and I'm excited about the W in Nashville. W is going through a bit of a rebirth. And I'm excited to see these hotels come to life. There's a they're fabulous new designs in terrific destinations. One in a, a global gateway, and and one in probably a you know one of the most heavily visited and trafficked cities in the United States. So I'm very excited about what what's happening there.
1: Well, I mean, those two destinations in particular, I think, are places that people have been dying to get back to. Right? I mean, I I know I I love Nashville. I love Rome. I want to get back. Like, I think big city travel has been probably hit the hardest here. And and those are the types of places we've missed.
0: Yeah, that's right. In fact, I was in New York City last week and I'm I'm actually going back this week. And, you know, I think that the world is ready for that. We've been doing Florida. We've been doing the Caribbean. We've been doing Mexico and and everybody's enjoyed the, the outdoors and the resorts and the beaches. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. But I think the world is ready to get back to the Londons and the Romes and the New Yorks and the Tokyos. I mean there's just vibrancy and energy that exists in those cities that you can't replicate. And I I was in I was in New York last week and stayed in Times Square for a couple of days
1: and the energy was back. It was wonderful to see. Let's go back to the hotel pipeline. Give us a couple you've you've talked about the W's in in Nashville and in Rome. Give me a couple more that we can get really excited about and because and, we need this right now. We need to be excited about things in the future. We
0: do, don't we? We need people to dream and, and get out there. You know, I, I love what's coming up that we'll have the first. Well, look, we've got the tallest hotel in Chicago at the the St. Regis in Chicago is going to be opening. We've got the Ritz-Carlton in Mexico City opening this fall. We just opened the Ritz-Carlton in the Maldives. Definitely worth a visit and and should get on everybody's list. You've got the St. Regis opening in Kenai, in Riviera Maya. Another hotel at Ritz-Carlton in Paradise Valley. One of the the latest resorts to open under the Ritz-Carlton portfolio in the U.S. You've got the luxury collection in uh, Hobart in Tasmania.
1: We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to hear from Chris Gabaldon about the very exciting launch of the Ritz-Carlton Yacht Collection.
0: On medicine, we're still practicing. Join Dr. Stephen Tabak and Bill Curtis for real conversations with the medical professionals who have their finger on the pulse of healthcare in the modern world. Available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Produced by Kurt Co Media.
1: Welcome back to my conversation with Marriott International's Chris Gabaldon. Can you talk a little bit about the luxury collection? I think a lot of people are familiar with St. Regis, with Ritz-Carlton, but maybe not as familiar with luxury collection and what that stands for. And I, I personally, you know, Gritty Palace in Venice, for instance, one of, the, one of the great hotels in the world. It's a luxury collection property. And I think that maybe people don't understand that the luxury collection properties are right there with anything else. So just tell us a little bit about that brand and one of, uh, some of the things you have coming up there.
0: Yeah. Luxury collection is
1: something that I get
0: incredibly excited about. We just talked a few minutes ago about brands and hotels that are incredibly local. So the luxury collection is all about its independence, its freedom, its freedom of the design, its freedom of its narrative, its freedom of expression. You know, it is not bound by a lot of rules and, and requirements. And it's really all about being indigenous and local and close to the scene that is whatever that location is. But I, I think there's a piece of the world that's traveling that way now, Bruce. They have great love for the, for the traditional brands, the Ritz-Carlton's and the St. Regis's. But there's another segment of the population that is in seek of something that is maybe a little bit off the beaten path, is a little new, a little different, a little more independent, doesn't follow all the rules and regulations, and maybe has a little bit more of an adventurous spirit to it. But you'll find them. They're high on design and they're really high on their culinary experience. What do you got coming up from that brand? Yeah, so I just mentioned that we're opening the Tasman. We just opened the uh the Matilda Palace in Budapest and the Luxury Collection Hotel in Nashville, uh, the Joseph. A lot of hotels that were maybe independent in the past are converting to a luxury or interested in converting to a Luxury Collection hotel because they they want to be part of something that's a little bit bigger, maybe provides a little bit more stability, but want to keep
1: all that freedom, all of that independence that's associated with a with a soft brand. Whether it's the Luxury Collection or W, hotels have always been Marriott's reason for being. But starting in May, the company plans to make a major splash in the world of cruising with the launch of the Ritz-Carlton Yacht Collection. Now, this is a very interesting time to be launching a cruise line. That industry has been completely turned on its head in the past couple of years, and Ritz-Carlton's first ship was originally supposed to debut way back in early 2020. Of course, that, like so many other things was delayed. So I asked Chris to fill us in on what it has been like trying to launch a cruise line during a pandemic and what we can expect when it finally does debut. You're right. I mean, who would have thought
0: of launching a collection of yachts in the middle of a pandemic, and certainly the entire industry's had to deal with it, it's certainly caused delays, right? And even now that you know we have vaccines and people are back to work and we're back to traveling, no one would have anticipated the supply chain disruption that happened. And it's happening, you know, not just in our industry, in all industries, but it it has severely impacted the manufacturing and the, the build of the ship, right? So that's just taken more time than expected. So we're going to sail in May of next year. And um, I think what the Ritz-Carlton Yacht Collection is is really meant to do is bring what is one of the world's great brands to life at sea and do it in a way that is highly personalized, intimate. It probably will stretch the boundaries of what yachting and cruising will look like. You know, more space, more activity, longer stays, the ability to connect with on-land excursions through our hotels. You know, when it finally launches, the the demand for it has been just really strong. Yeah, so I I think when you see it come to life, it's, I, I can't wait to be there. Maybe you'll be there as well, Bruce, and allow us to reach a lot of destinations together.
1: I, I would love to do that. I, I will take you up on that offer. I'm not going to forget. But, but tell me a little bit about what that experience, you know, you mentioned more intimate, more, you know, the, the tie into the hotels. Like, what does that or experience look like? What does that Ritz-Carlton experience look like on the water? So, you know, when you boil Ritz-Carlton down, it is about highly
0: personalized service, right? And so we're going to take what we do so well on land and we're going to move it to the sea. But that comes in the form of customized itineraries. It comes in the form of you know your onboard experience, whether that is you know on your activities, your fitness classes, or your culinary. I don't know if you know Aqua, which is our three-star Michelin restaurant at the Ritz Carlton in Wolfsburg. Well, our chef, Sven, he's coming on board and he's running our restaurant at sea on the Ritz Carlton Yacht Collection. And then when you think about the connection to to land, right? You have this opportunity because we've there's a portfolio of. You know, four hundred luxury hotels around the world. There's a hundred plus Ritz Carlton hotels. So, if you happen to be in Aruba, right, you have the opportunity not only to do onshore excursions, but you have the opportunity to participate in any of the program associated with the Ritz Carlton Aruba, as an example. How big are we talking here? Uh, how big is this? Is this first ship, Evrima, which is the first of the yachts, is only 149 suites. So you'll end up with, you know, something less than 300 people on board that ship, right? You know, so it's not a, it's not a sailing small city, right? It, it literally is a yacht where you can get to know all of the guests, all the preferences will be taken care of, personalized itineraries taken care of. You know, you'll spend longer time in the ports, so you don't, you don't feel rushed. You don't feel like you're sort of on this massive tour excursion. You literally are having a relaxed very luxurious, very high-end adventure. And because of the size of the ship, you know, we'll be able to get into, now the full itineraries aren't, you know, we're still looking at what what all the, all the trips will look like, but we'll be able to get into some ports that your typical cruise lines can't. So you probably
1: won't be in the same ports with 10 other ships that are 4,000 people apiece as well. Can you give us a rough idea of, of some of the places you'll be going? I mean, you know, I'm sure some of the classics, but then also throw out a couple examples here.
0: Well, we'll we'll cruise all the places you would expect, right? We'll cruise in the Baltics, we'll cruise in the Med, we'll cruise in the Caribbean. Hopefully we're going to cruise up to Alaska. Hopefully we'll be cruising in Asia once we get a couple more ships launched. So you'll see a similar itinerary, but what you won't see is just sort of those repetitive journeys. In fact, if you cruise on the Ritz-Carlton Yacht Collection, you could actually cruise for 28, 35 days and you wouldn't repeat a destination. So we're not just doing sort of loops in the Caribbean you could continue on various journeys from port to port to port. And so I think that, you know, that's going to be an interesting aspect. We had some people that were booking for
1: 30, 60, 90 days at a time. What other changes do you see to that industry? Like, I mean, not just Ritz-Carlton, but how is the luxury cruising industry? How does it need to change and adapt? I do think that the the notion of being on a ship with,
0: you know, 4,000 or 5,000 people is maybe a difficult proposition to think about today. And I don't say that disrespectfully to the industry, right? Because it's an important part of the industry. And I I hope that all of the cruise lines come back. We want strength in that segment. But I do think it's going to force the business to think about what does cruising feel like in the future? And, you know, if the travel continues to move to the high end of the of the industry, then those more intimate, you know, more space, smaller ships more flexible itineraries, I think are probably something that's going to come to life. I also think you're seeing people that are, you know, they're not necessarily cruising, at least in in the segment we're looking at. They're not cruising only for the sake of being on the ship. They're cruising for the destination. They're cruising for the ability to be in port for multiple days, right? So you can explore and experience versus just jumping off, going on shore, doing excursions, and then coming back on. It's it's less of a checklist and it's more of an indulged experience,
1: something that gets you closer to the the local culture. So let me ask you this, with cruising coming back, with everything else coming back aside from COVID, what is it that concerns you the most about the future of travel? You know, I think
0: in the short term, it's bringing the experts back into the business, right? Our business was devastated. Let's just be frank about it, right? I've been in the business for 30 years and We've been through multiple wars, other viruses and pandemics, the Great Recession, financial crisis, and nothing has had the impact on the business the way that this has. And so I'm concerned about our ability to make sure we bring back the highly trained people that were passionate and loved our business. And at the end of the day, Bruce, you know this, right? You and I can sit here and talk about it and, you know. You've been so many places. I've been so many places. We're fortunate to, to be in a, a great position in our business, but the people that really make travel special are the housekeepers and the room attendants and the people that work in in room dining, our chefs and our culinarians and our wait staff and uh, people that work at the front desk and our concierge. Those are the ones that make travel special. When someone goes and stays at a St. Regis or a JW Marriott, they don't call me. They don't talk to me. They talk to the concierge. They talk to the front desk agent. They talk to the bellman. They ask what's the right place to go? Where's the best place to eat? And that's what worries me the most is making sure we can bring all those people back into this business. And we are, it's happening happening slowly. But that is that is a concern, and it, it will come back because it's a very it's a very special industry. And when you work in this industry, it's in your blood and you're very passionate about it. and And you can't get that same feeling in in a lot of other industries. People in hospitality genuinely care about great service and great experience and connections
1: with people. They love to just talk to people and, and do the right thing by them. I think if there is a silver lining to all this, it's that people, both people in the industry, and the travelers have gained a greater appreciation for every single person in that hotel staff, every single person in the tour operator, whatever it is, the housekeepers, the the bellboy, it's kind of come to light just how important every single person is in this chain. And, uh, you know, I certainly have, and I, I think a, I speak for a lot of people that there's been a greater appreciation for, for everybody involved in this industry. Yeah. And I, and I
0: would encourage the listeners of your show to, to think about that. It's These are people that have built their lives and their careers by providing great hospitality. They are working so hard these days to to bring it back. They're working harder than I am. They're probably working harder than you are. They're working harder than all of us in in these types of jobs. And they will bring this business back because they actually care on a one-to-one basis. They personally care about travel.
1: Okay, so continuing on that. Positive, optimistic note, like what what are you most excited about with it, you know, the future of travel, luxury travel, whatever it is, what excites you the most? Travel makes you dream, right? And travel gets people excited. It builds energy.
0: You know, so the world is full of problems today, and we see them, and, and I think a lot of it is lack of knowledge, lack of understanding. Travel fixes that. Travel fixes that. When you go and experience cultures, when you go and talk to people and you sit down and have a glass of wine with them, or you talk to locals you get a much greater appreciation. So there's a lot of things that that luxury travelers could spend their money on. And they're choosing to do it in travel because they understand the emotional aspect of it. And so I think you're going to see destinations open up all over the world. I was listening to one of your other podcasts and they were talking about the over-travel and over-tourism in some places and and I think that that could be an issue in some locations, but I, I think you're gonna to continue to find all of these undiscovered destinations around the world. You I mean, think how much the world has to offer. We're barely scratching the surface of all of these wonderful cultures and places to see and visit. And, and, and I don't even know what they are. I feel like I feel like a kid again, I'm ready to get the globe out and spin the globe and look for those new places to go and find.
1: Well, <laughs> on that note, I think we should all go find a globe, spin it, and start dreaming again about where we're going next. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Great to hear all the updates, all your insights. Really enjoyed the time with you. Thank you. Bruce, thank you.
0: And now for the Wallen Wrap-Up.
1: So great hearing from Chris Cabaldon today about all the cool hotels and resorts that they've got going on all around the world, but also to hear about the Ritz-Carlton Yacht Collection and what it's like to launch a cruise line during a global pandemic. Now, I know there are two absolutely separate camps here. Those who love cruising and those who absolutely hate it and swear they would never ever go on a cruise. Honestly, I think I fall somewhere in between. I enjoy it. I've been on Seabourn. I've been on Silver Sea, I've been on smaller boats like Aqua Expedition Cruises, and I love it. Now, do I wanna go on a cruise every time I go on a trip? Definitely not. But there is a time and place for it. I think it's an important part of the industry. And I think it's an important option for people who are older, maybe less mobile, and want to get to all these places that we all want to see. So I'm a big fan when the time is right. And now probably is the right time right? We've all, all had a forced break from it. It's, <laughs> that industry has struggled more than others, but there's a lot of exciting things to look forward to. We have, in addition to Ritz-Carlton launching in May, Crystal Cruises just launched its Endeavor yacht. We've got Aqua Expeditions just launched a new ship in the Amazon. Emerald, Viking, they both have new ocean liners coming out early next year. So there's a lot to look forward to. What are you excited about in the world of cruising? Shoot me an email, bruce at kurtco.com or hit us up on Twitter at travelwithbruce and let us know what you're most excited about in the world of cruising. We'd love to hear from you and we would love to see you out on the seas. We'd like to thank Chris Cabaldon for joining us today on Travel That Matters. For more information on the hotels and cruise ships that we talked about today, check out our show notes or visit kurtco.com. This show is produced for Kurt Co. Media by A.J. Mosley and Dara Stone. Music by Joey Salvia. I'm Bruce Wallen, and we will see you down the road. Media. Media for your mind.